Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Dan Mindis. We hope you enjoy the discussion. My guests today are Itzia and Maitai Diaz-Canedo. The two sisters are co-founders of VIA, a platform that removes the risk and complexity for employers setting up satellite offices abroad. NextGen Venture Partners is a proud investor in VIA, and in the discussion, we cover the history and future of the company, why employers are increasingly setting up offices abroad, and the virtues of moving toward a more global labor market. I hope you enjoy the conversation. It's Sia and Maite. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us. It's Sia, let me start with you. Simple question. What is VIA? Sure. Well, VIA helps companies hire in new countries as easily as if they were hiring in their own headquarters. So basically, we do that through our digital employer of record platform. We hire teams on behalf of companies through our own entities and infrastructure in-country, which basically means companies can onboard a new team member in a couple of days versus taking months and basically forget about all of the admin, red tape, compliance related to hiring across countries. Maite, take us back. What was the first spark of VIA? Yes. First Spark of VIA actually goes back four years ago. Uh, Itzi and I were in school together and we wanted to connect talent to opportunities across markets because that was a shared passion of ours. And we actually started VIA as a global recruiting platform four years ago. So we basically connected talent with startups and companies across multiple markets for roles. And in doing that, we had the privilege of working with hundreds of companies in over 20 markets helping them build their first teams. And in doing so, we started working with companies building their first teams in a new country, which was when the you know current version of VIA really sparked our interest, when we realized how difficult and challenging it is for companies to hire teams in markets where they don't have a presence. And so hiring someone in a new country is actually really, really hard in practice, right? You have to understand local employment law, you have to have the right contracts, you have to have the right financial, legal setup and infrastructure to pay teams in local currency. You have to know the tax implications, et cetera, et cetera. And so these are all of the problems that we saw our clients have from a recruiting perspective and decided to pivot away from the recruiting piece and focus on solving the infrastructural piece, if you will, around how do I actually hire and pay team members when they're sitting in a country where I don't have a presence. And A transition of any kind is challenging. So tell us, was there a six-month process? Was it just you woke up one day and said, we've got to change the nature of our business? How did that shift happen? Yeah, that's an interesting one because 2020 was hard enough as it was just to be running any business in general, right? And within that, we, you know, transitioning our team to be fully remote and everything that happened in 2020 was already complicated. And on top of that, pivoting the company um, was, I, I wouldn't say it was difficult because the decision, you know, we were pulled by our clients into this new direction. And so we kept being pulled and pulled into that direction and felt like it was a very organic or necessary next step in school when they say start a company and make sure you're a painkiller for a company's problems. This certainly felt like we were helping them solve what was a true pain that was 
making it challenging for them to hire people across markets more so than the recruiting piece, right? Because it's hard to compete in recruiting. Companies have, you know, big talent acquisition teams, right? LinkedIn is a very easy way to get to talent. And so we were, again, being pulled by our clients in that direction and then had to make kind of a fork in the road sort of conversation. It's the NI where we said, you know, the company can go down this path or it can go down this path. This was like early 2020. Then COVID hit and it made remote work explode. And so we were seeing those trends beforehand in companies wanting to distribute their teams geographically and being a lot more open to hiring in new markets. And then COVID accelerated that trend, right? And so a lot of things came together and we decided to formally pivot. Uh, but that was, you know, the result of a lot of conversations, Itzy and I back and forth on uh, what could have been another path in, you know, continuing down the the recruiting side of things. And Itzia, as you were sort of pulled into this new approach, what are the most common kind of use cases you see for, for why companies want to establish international satellite offices? I think one certainly imagines there are advantages from a cost perspective in some cases. One, one imagines you want to be close to your customers, you know, culturally, geographically. But what's most common and, and are there any surprises in, in why companies are deciding to do this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's obviously a, a massive market that has existed for a long time and specifically using a vehicle or a third party to build a team in a new market is something that has existed already for decades with more traditional companies. A few reasons, right? So large enterprises want a better way to manage their global exposure, geo exposure and local employment risk exposure. And so a lot of even larger companies that may already have presence in different countries use these structures to basically grow more effectively or grow faster. That's really a, a core segment that we think has been overlooked and is actually the bigger part of the market, right? Companies that are already multinational and are looking to grow their teams in new geographies, but in a much more effective way where the administrative side of employment is basically decoupled from sort of the managerial aspect. And that's really, it has many benefits. But then obviously with COVID, there's huge tailwinds from companies that are looking at different models from fully distributed or fully remote to different hybrid configurations of how their organizations will be distributed. And I think what is a fact is that there's undeniably going to be, you know, paradigm shift in the distribution of organizations, right? So there'll be more distribution and, and each company will take on different forms of that. But some newer use cases that are not sort of commercial expansion are more related to talent acquisition, right? If a, a part of my team will already be working remotely, why wouldn't I tap into an amazing talent pool that has cost advantages, that has immigration benefits? We're seeing a lot of, you know, challenges in the U.S. and and companies setting up teams in Canada, for example, or a specific expertise, you know, talent ecosystems take many decades and, and probably specific schools to build a very particular type of experienced talent pool, such as, you know, data science, AI, et cetera. And so you're looking at companies who want to be competitive to uh, sort of out of necessity, really, you have to think of your workforce in a much more global way to take advantage of you know, what is the really optimal composition of the, of the people that are going to make my company thrive? 
Maite, Thea mentioned that companies in some cases are setting up shop in Canada as opposed to the US for immigration purposes. If you can just expand on that, this is something that I personally care about, drives me crazy. The US makes it so difficult for talented people to come here and work here. But maybe you could talk a little bit about our immigration policy. We are recording two hours after a change of administration. So what are the drivers of that kind of challenge? And to whatever degree you're willing to look into a crystal ball, do you think that will change? Or do you foresee, whether it's Canada or other countries, companies setting up posts outside the United States because of immigration restrictions? Yeah, no, I love that question. And, and I love the pause of today, January 20th, right? 2021 is, a, is an important day. And I think seeing the inauguration and, and, and everything as non-Americans, right? It's and I are not Americans, but we share the values of America. And we were actually discussing that prior to this podcast. We grew up in Mexico and kind of had a upbringing that was between Mexico and the US. We've spent more time in the US, but were born and raised in Mexico. And this immigration theme has been a consistent theme throughout, right? On sharing the values of being American and, you know, progression, innovation, you know, having the privilege of starting this company in the U.S. while also recognizing that borders are real, right? And that immigration documents and immigration papers are real. So just want to recognize that your question is also very personal to us. And one of the reasons why we started this company, which is to break down barriers and to help companies hire teams no matter where teams are sitting. On the specific immigration piece, I mean, what we've seen to make it very specific is people finding a hard time being sponsored, having U.S. sponsorship for visas where tech startups in the Valley are struggling to deal with that. And then Canada has been super innovative and progressive on that front and makes it relatively easy for someone from a high-skilled background to have a visa and sit in Canada. And so that's one kind of hack or solution where, you know, you can still work for that Silicon Valley tech startup or US-based company, but you're sitting physically in a different place. Estonia has an e-visa, they call it, which means, you know, you can be a citizen. I don't know the, the particularities of it, but it's a super interesting model around how can you become a citizen in an innovative way going forward. And after today, our hope is that there will be less issues around borders and immigration in the US, but that doesn't negate the fact that, again, borders are real and immigration and visa and processes need to be solved and that VIA can be a vehicle that makes that more fluid, more dynamic as people think about, you know, that I don't necessarily have to be sitting geographically in the place of the company that I'm working for, which is a simple yet powerful statement, right? And we see that in Mexico when we were currently offering our service in Canada and Mexico. And you are able to offer, you know, a software engineer who's sitting in Mexico City the opportunity to work at a startup in Silicon Valley that they otherwise would not have had the opportunity to do so. And so that certainly is one of the drivers that makes us super excited about what we're doing. Itzia, let's play that theme out a little bit more. You guys are creating more opportunity for folks outside the United States to work for US-based companies at an individual level. That's fantastic. What does it mean at a broader social level? What kind of impact do you think more of this type of cross-border work can have? Look, I mean, globalization is is happening and accelerating, you know, whether we we like it or not. So I think what what our mission is is to really empower companies to be able to hire globally uh, and whatever that 
formula means for them and their own strategy, but in doing so, create economic opportunity in more places around the world. As Maite was saying, we were privileged to spend some time in Silicon Valley and, and live and work in many different cities around the world, but there's amazing talent everywhere, right? And opportunity, as we know, is not equally distributed. And so playing a part in creating these unique opportunities for talent that happens to sit or live or have been born in a second tier or third tier ecosystem, even though I don't like those terms, right? We think is awesome. Um, and it'll only make companies that much more strong, right? If they're able to tap into the best talent, no matter where they are. And another element of this at the heart of why we're doing this is as we help organizations become more global and more diverse, we really do think that's an important part of creating the organizations of tomorrow, right? That, that really solve the problems of our world, of our generation that are, you know, more and more interconnected, more and more global. And so we're really excited to see, you know, companies that had traditionally only been hiring in one specific region, all of a sudden their teams look very different, right? And they're learning about their colleagues' sort of different traditions or holidays, right? And there's this forced global consciousness that we think is super exciting and and honestly just a result of what companies need to do now to sort of adapt to where the world is going. Maite, you mentioned I think that you're now in Mexico and Canada for you to do a good job, you need to really specialize in each of the countries where you can represent to your customers that you can kind of take care of all of their HR administrative issues in each of these countries. You are rolling out in the relatively near future to some additional countries. Talk about how you choose those countries. What are the criteria that are important to you and to your customers? So we look at a lot of factors based on a combination of things. So first is a level of talent attractiveness, right? Where is there interesting skill sets that companies are, are interested in, right? Tech talent is obviously a big one, but there are others. Time zone and things like, you know, geographical things that make countries more or less attractive to a US-based company customer, meaning, you know, time zone difference. While some companies are now more open to having remote teams, they might not be open to having to, uh, you know, work with a team where the time zone is very different. So, uh, our first kind of go-to is consolidating our presence in the Americas and expanding to four more countries uh, over the next five weeks or so in the Americas. Same time zone, relevant skill sets, salary arbitrage opportunities. And also we look at you know the, the actual country itself and whether structurally from a labor market perspective, it's attractive to set up business in that market. We look at things like labor liability, incidences, how easy or hard is it to fire people, right? We forget when we're in the US how employer-friendly the US is versus most other countries, right? In most other countries, there isn't the concept of employment at will, right? So when you hire an engineer out of Brazil, for example, and you want to fire them for any reason, you're due to pay severance of X number of months. And so it's taking all of these factors in and having what we call a country attractiveness score to define where we open next, and then developing that expertise with our own team and by having solid partners from labor law experts to immigration experts to obviously accounting, fiscal, uh, et cetera, experts and, and, and going that way. In addition to, of course, listening to our customers and where they want to go. Itzia, as Maite describes 
some of those things like labor law, accounting, and so forth. I've never set up a, an international team, but it sounds like, at least in the absence of VIA, it's a nightmare. Where to begin? There's so much complexity. There's regulation and that I may not even be able to read the laws and the, because I don't know the language. There's liabilities of various kinds. What is the status quo, right? You're just trying to set up an office overseas. How does it work today in the absence of a tech-enabled approach like yours? Yeah, and you're you're right that it is a headache. And we naively fell into it in, in the first iteration of our company. We were one of the first that, that had uh, decided to set up teams outside of Silicon Valley. And so we went through all of the hundreds of steps ourselves. And, and you know, just it was disappointing to see really how hard it actually was, right? And the sequence of events that you have no visibility over, no control over. If it's another language, then there's, of course, another entire barrier. But basically the status quo, so if you are a US company and you want to build a team abroad or even hire someone abroad, you can do it yourself. That's one alternative. So that means many, many months, an average of six months in any country where you want to operate in, and basically building that expertise, uh, partnerships to ensure that you're making the right decisions and that you're not putting your company in an undue amount of risk, right? That you have the right contracts, that you have the right set of entities, that you uh, understand what having a foreign subsidiary means for tax reasons, all that fun stuff. So you can definitely do it yourself. Obviously, our proposition is why would you, right? Focus on your business and your team and don't waste any time or, or expose yourself to undue risk. Uh, so that's one alternative. Another alternative is you can hire contractors. And we see a lot of companies do this. It's sort of a hack and a shortcut that works really well if you're hiring one or two people in a given geography, but it's not scalable. So once you hit about the three-person mark, right, you really should be employing them as employees or W-2 equivalents in that country. And so that's sort of a short-term band-aid fix for very few people. And that doesn't really fly if you're if you're really serious about going abroad. And so those are really the the two sort of alternatives. The third is using a partner like VIA that basically allows you to, in 48 hours, once you've decided on you know who your team member is basically we take care of everything for you and then more importantly than the setup right is in an ongoing way you have the peace of mind that all sort of reporting and compliance is taken care of and you basically don't have to worry about any of that as an investor uh, in a lot of startups the pitch of and therefore, you don't have to worry about all this complexity, I think is very powerful. And we've uh, invested with some success in, in a, lot, a lot of companies that solve that type of problem. Although, whether you know, that could be anything from data security to, to what you're doing to any number of other industries. So it's certainly exciting for us to be investors in your company. And we are early stage investors, which means that we look for entrepreneurs who have a long-term vision to create a big and meaningful company. And Maite, maybe you can tell us, where do you see yourselves in five, maybe even 10 years? You know, our mission is to empower companies to hire globally and create economic opportunity in more places around the world, uh, helping organizations, as Itzi was saying, become more global, more diverse which we believe is crucial to solving the big problems of our generation. 
where we are in five to 10 years, uh, you know, a category defining company that is solving these issues around borders being real for hiring a global team. And today, the first step of that is, you know, being an employer of record platform that helps you hire and pay for teams in new markets. Uh, tomorrow, I think that'll mean a lot more things that are added to that you know, infrastructure layer. We see a world where, you know, employment powered by VIA is a way that companies can focus on what they're best at and their business models and leave the compliance, administrative, scary, quote unquote, side of hiring to us and that we can deliver on the best employee experience on the ground. And that means having the best benefits, you know, the best user experience from an employee perspective and integrating more things into what today is that kind of initial step. Obviously, a lot of globality in the future. So we see ourselves once travel is back, you know, having different hubs in different locations for our own team. That's something that we've, we've always dreamed about. Um, and so, you know, visiting or having an offsite at our location somewhere else in the world. Maite, Itzia, thanks so much for spending time with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This was fun. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear all of our past podcasts, please go to nextgenvp.com. And now for some important disclaimers. The information contained in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase any securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any performance or projections contained herein may be significantly affected by future events. Any opinions, assumptions, assessments, statements, or the like regarding future events or which are forward-looking constitute only subjective views and beliefs, should not be relied on, and are subject to change due to a variety of factors, including fluctuating market conditions and economic factors.